Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. Closer now, getting closer to the start of college football season inside of two weeks away until week zero. But hey, it's college football nonetheless. Welcome into the live stream. I'm Michael Borky. Glad to see you guys on this Monday morning. And there is a ton, a metric ton of stuff to get to this morning. I don't have enough time to get to it all, so we're going to run through it quickly. There are uh, some things that I noticed. We had some scrimmages this weekend here. And some reaction to those, it's like, it it depends on how you want to look at what is reported from the scrimmages. Do you want to be optimistic? Do you want to be pessimistic or somewhere in between? The takeaways from the scrimmages this weekend. Also, we finally got a a look at Jameis versus Taysom. And the numbers were basically the same, but I think one of them just looks better than the other. So we'll talk about that. Dak Prescott, apparently he's back. The, The MRI that... Cowboys social media got everybody to freak out about. It apparently went well, and he's going to be returning to the practice field in a limited capacity this week. So they did all of, all of that melodramatic crap just for things to check out and go well, and it'd be fine. So I, I don't, I still don't know what they were thinking there. And then uh, Tim Tebow went viral over the weekend, and apparently it was the wrong highlight that made him go viral. And, of course, because if it's something with the name Tebow on it, it's going to have polarizing thoughts on either side. I think it's really quite simple. I think it's really quite simple, so we'll we'll discuss that as well. First, real quick, I want to remind you, subscribe to the YouTube channel right there, Michael Borky on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel uh, so you won't miss uh, any time I go live or post a new video on there. Uh, and then if you like what you hear, like the video as well and follow on Facebook and Twitter. Also, Mike in the Morning is where you can find this in podcast form. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find it there. And don't forget to subscribe there as well. So you never miss a minute of me talking to myself in my home office before I start doing radio show prep. It's an amazing thing. So subscribe on YouTube and uh, let's get started. So scrimmages. We had scrimmages this weekend. And, and what to make of the reporting from the scrimmages. I've always laughed around spring game time. I've always laughed at people that that go to spring games and like cheer when things go well for, for your team. And you get the same phenomenon in NFL training camp because fans get to go to that as well. You see a highlight of, I'll use Elijah Moore for an example, caught a long touchdown pass last week in training camp and the few thousand Jets fans that were there are all cheering and going crazy. And it's like, that means your defense just gave up a long touchdown pass. What are you cheering for? Same thing at spring games. Like you, a team scores a touchdown in a spring game, and it's uh, there are people in the stands that are like, "Yeah, awesome touchdown!" And it's like you just—that means you just gave one up as as well. That's not 
awesome. So in Starkville, I was reading the, the scrimmage reports and, and all that stuff and listening to the audio. And uh, apparently a lot of people had a bunch of sacks uh, during Mississippi State scrimmage this weekend. And so you're reading it, and your first thought, mine was, oh, hell yeah, you know, defense, love pass rush. You need pass rush in the SEC. That's great that they're getting a bunch of sacks and a, a bunch of different names, guys that you need to step up this year, and, oh, man, that's good. Bunch of sacks, and then you stop and think about it for a second, and it's like, wait a minute. Mississippi State's offensive line was a huge problem last year, and giving up a bunch of sacks in a scrimmage is decidedly really not good. <laughs> so, and then the same thing in Oxford. You know, you read, you know, Matt Corral hits Braylon Sanders for a long touchdown pass. And your first thought is, oh, hell yeah, Braylon Sanders finally healthy. Like Lane Kiffin thinks he can be a first round pick. You know, they they need wide receivers to step up in Elijah Moore's absence. That is great news that, that Braylon Sanders is healthy and catching long touchdown passes passes but that also um that that also means your secondary that had trouble with giving up long passes last year is giving up more long passes so i don't know what to make of it i mean every time i read stuff from it'd be different if i could you know be there in person and watch i guess but still the same thing would apply apparently old miss defensively struggled against the ones in their scrimmage this weekend. Well, on one hand, that's one of the best offenses they'll see this year. But on the other, does it mean they're getting any better? If you remember this time last year, Lane Kiffin was saying that the defense was beating the offense every day in scrimmages. It's so hard to to read this stuff and take anything away from it. And that's what I was struggling with this morning. Here are some some things that you can take away from the scrimmages this weekend. I don't think there's anything you can really take away from the scrimmages this weekend. Uh, aside, depending on, you know, who you are as like in your mental state, if you're an optimist, well, that offense is clicking in Oxford. If you're an optimist, oh, that defensive line, that, that front six, Zach Arnett's defense still getting to the quarterback. If you're a pessimist, it's well, Mississippi State still giving up sacks. Too many. Too many. This team's not winning anything. They're not beating NC State in week two. They're not going to a bowl game if they don't get better on the offensive line. And on the other side, Ole Miss, I mean, if they're not better defensively, if they're not getting stops, if they're not giving up, uh, or if they're not preventing teams from hitting long passes, well, then you're going to have another team that will struggle to maintain you know, a 500 record and play in a bunch of really exciting games where they give up 40-plus points per game. I mean, who knows? Honestly, who knows? But that's out there. I mean, that's out there. Um, there is still – I don't – again, I don't know what to, to make of it, but uh, apparently Lovertich and Starkville's having a really good camp, and Mike Leach always goes out of his way uh, to mention how – how mature he is, and he's played a lot of college football in his life. Um, and just what do you make of it? I mean, sometimes coaches use these f- fall camp, training camp scrimmages as motivation. Uh, Tariqus Tisdale, for example, in Oxford, was not really thrilled 
with Lane Kiffin saying the defense struggled and, and said, don't believe it, basically, in his media opportunity. Um, so is it a motivational thing for Will Rogers? Is Mike Leach saying all this stuff about Lovertich because he wants Rogers to feel the heat, feel competition, now that Jack Abraham's not practicing and who knows if he will? Is Mike Leach just using this as kind of like a, hey, you think you're not in competition anymore? Guess what, bud? you you got three more weeks where you've got to bring it every day or else I'm going to start this other guy. Is it that or is it the truth? Is Lovertich actually in position to fight for and maybe win this job? There's so much information that comes out, and I'm not talking down to the people that seek that information. I seek that information. I just never know what the hell to do with it. You know, I don't know what to do with it. All these scrimmage reports that I read this week, and I have no idea what to take away from it other than those things happened, and until they actually play a real game, there's nothing to do. That's the one downside in college football is we don't get uh, preseason games. I wish we did because you know we could actually see them in game action. It's much easier to look at the Saints and identify issues because they played against another team on Saturday. Somebody else in a game setting. Now, it was limited action for most of the starters. Alvin Kamara and others didn't even play. Uh, but at least you got to see your team line up, line up against another team and identify issues right away. In college, we don't get that. We just have to rely on quotes and practice reports and stuff like that to try to get us by. And uh, they, they are very likely not inaccurate so much as not complete. And so there you go. Apparently the offense is clicking in Oxford, though, so there you go. And the front six and Zach Arnett's defense is still able to get to the quarterback. You can do with that information what you wish, I suppose. Morning, Mike. Morning, JP. 24 and 19 days remain. Uh, you're, you're selling week zero short, my friend. It's 24, 19, and 13. Right? No, 12. What am I thinking? 19 minus 7 is 12. Anyway, yeah, 12 days until college football, sort of. Defenses are generally more dialed in in the preseason. Hard to pass judgment until there's another opponent lined up across from them. Yeah. I mentioned not to sleep on Lovertich. Hard to tell if Leach is being truthful. That's that's the thing, man. I, I don't know if he's – because Mike Leach has done this thing with quarterbacks before where he has um, you know, pulled guys after a game or two that were the starter where – He's not afraid to play multiple quarterbacks. He's done it before. He's also been really coy with the media when he's had a starter the whole time. Which one is he doing here? I don't know. Um, I still, you know, would be shocked, honestly shocked, truly, if Will Rogers is not the starting quarterback against Louisiana Tech inside of three weeks from now. Would truly be shocked if that's the case. Uh, But, you know, maybe Mike Leach is telling the truth. Maybe there is really a competition there. Who knows, man? Lovertich just played a lot of football. Let's. Uh, if you're not familiar with who this guy is, if you're not the the state fan listening to this, um, I'll give you a little quick, a little quick bio. He played at South Alabama. If you guys remember, he played against uh, Southern Miss in the first college football game of the year. Last year, where everybody that covers the sport like converged on Hattiesburg because through everything that we went through last year, that was the first college football game being played. 
that was the first. And so Sports Illustrated and The Athletic and everybody was there, and he played in that game. So he played at um, at South Alabama and um, was in junior college here for a while, and his Mississippi State uh, bio page has nothing written underneath it. <laughs> he has nothing. Nothing. They can't even give this guy that they're claiming – is it a quarterback competition for the starter? They can't even give him a line in his bio. Come on, guys, get this uh, get this together. Uh, so yeah, he played uh, he played in junior college, uh, had a put up just massive massive numbers in, in Mississippi Junior College, and played at South Alabama and transferred to Mississippi State. And if you believe Mike Leach, he is immersed in a quarterback competition. I still don't buy it. I still don't buy it, but apparently that's there. Apparently that's uh, that's there. Yeah, national champion, national champion at uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, and um, Mike Leach swears that that he's in competition. So, anyway, speaking of competition, we got our first look finally at uh, Taysom versus Jameis this weekend, and uh, the Saints stunk, by the way, and it wasn't uh, like. It was just turnovers. I mean, just ball security was an embarrassment. Um, and it's funny, both quarterbacks threw interceptions, and neither of which was really their fault, which is not something that, you know, when you're talking about Jameis Winston and flex tight end Taysom Hill throwing passes, and they both threw an interception, you would immediately think that, well, it was both their fault. That's just kind of, you know, how they've been. But neither one was. Uh, on Taysom's interception, receiver stopped his route. Sean Payton mentioned that there was a miscommunication between both, so he didn't just lay the blame at the feet of the wide receiver. And Jameis's interception, that should have never been intercepted. The ball was slightly underthrown, but he also couldn't put it in a perfect spot because the safety was coming over the top. It was actual, actually intentionally underthrown to some degree because you've got that window to fit it in, and... If he would have thrown it just perfectly on target, safety's picking it off or making a play on the ball. Putting it in that location could have been a little bit more outside, but putting it in that location was likely the best chance to get a completion, a risk-free completion. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey's got to do better. He's got That ball should have never been intercepted. And so people look at that and, oh, Jameis threw a pick, ball security. No, that that wasn't on him. A better wide receiver either catches that football or makes sure that it doesn't get batted up in the air the way it was and intercepted. Uh, if you look at the still images of where that ball needed to be placed, Nick Underhill put him on Twitter. He's great. Uh, that ball shouldn't have been intercepted. And so now what do you do? At the end of the day, I think what I was expecting, and maybe it's just confirmation bias for me, which is possible. It's possible that it's confirmation bias. But what I saw was what I was expecting to see, which is one of uh, both of those guys are really talented. Taysom Hill has clearly improved from last year throwing the football. Um, one of them just looks more natural and comfortable and fluid than the other. Their numbers were basically the same, although Jameis led the touchdown drive. Um, even the completions, the very well-placed footballs in the opening drive for Taysom, it looks like he's forcing it a little bit. And then consistency with accuracy is is awful for him. He's not consistent at all, especially on the 
short to intermediate stuff, which is a Sean Payton special in his offense. Um, when I watch the two of them, and it's one quarter in a preseason game, we get another look this weekend. I saw one guy that was more comfortable, one guy that is more fluid, that is a better, more consistent passer than the other. I certainly see why it's close and why they haven't named a full-time starter yet and all that. I see why the media is reporting that it's too close to call. Like That that showed, very much showed, uh, during the game. Absolutely. But one looks like he belongs under center. The other one looks like he belongs playing flex and stuff like that. Uh, I think Jameis Winston is the better quarterback. He looked like it, and I think it's uh, going to bear out if they do it the right way. When are you going to the casino to put your futures in, Craig's ass? I have no futures that I like. <laughs> None that I like. Uh, Alabama, if, if you can get Alabama at uh, 11 and a half, I might go under there. Just going undefeated is always really hard. And yes, I know they do it. But if you can get Alabama at 11 and a half, like I've seen some places, I would I would possibly go under there. Um, if you can get Ole Miss at seven, I, I think I would go over seven. And But I, I'm not in love with uh, any of the futures right now. Unless you're talking about Saints, which, you know, if you – Still have them at nine, probably smash that under. But, hey, anyway. Defensive line, JP says, was a bright light in that game. Yes, sir. So aside from the quarterbacks, which was ev- which is what everybody was watching, myself included, I think I see that there's a separation between the two. And I think Taysom Hill is more valuable in his role anyway. Uh, if, the, if there's no difference, if there's really no difference, then start Jameis and keep Taysom in his role because you need weapons on offense anyway, and he's extremely versatile. Uh, And ball security was a joke, especially from the running backs. That was awful. Uh, But Marcus Davenport was a menace, and that's the guy you traded a pick for. At least that's the guy you he should be, right? He's finally looking like somebody that you traded a first-round pick for. That was a huge bright spot in that game was Marcus Davenport looking really good, uh, Bond was good. The linebacker core in general, uh, without Brandon Mississippi's own Demario Davis playing because he didn't have to, uh, that was a, a big bright spot. That was a position of question, right? Because Quan Alexander's not ready yet. Demario Davis didn't play, and it was going to be, you know, who will step up behind Demario Davis to be effective? Because linebacker was a position of of weakness last year until Alexander came on, and then he tore his Achilles. They looked good. Defensive line looked good. Davenport was great. Bond was really good. The linebackers in general were good. And uh, Paulson Adebo, the rookie, was really impressive. And and people kind of forget, and I'm glad that Joel Myers on the broadcast pointed it out, uh, Adebo didn't play last year. He he, he was a COVID opt-out, didn't play. So he's a full year removed from playing college football. And that was his first NFL action. And he looked good. I mean, yes, there are going to be times where he'll blow a coverage, he'll get beat. But for a rookie who was a year removed from playing football, I thought he was great. And uh, that was a really encouraging sign for a position group that is that is desperate for bodies. Uh, just competency uh, on that side of the ball in that specific position. Um. That was really encouraging to see him play like that. Craig says he's excited about the defensive line. Got to stay healthy. Yeah, they're really thin there, especially with uh, Aminata, 
he got his punishment work in that game, didn't he? He was he played the full game as uh, as some kind of punishment. But um, yeah, without him, they're going to be really thin there, and and so they need guys like Davenport to be good. Uh, they need Cam Jordan to be better than he was a year ago. Uh, Peyton Turner, I mean, apparently he's had a good camp. I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see what that becomes if that becomes something. But yes, uh, defensive line looked good. The, I mean, really defensively, they were great, guys. I mean, there were six turnovers and they gave up 17 points. Yes, it's a preseason game, but no Jordan, no Demario Davis, no Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, hey, that was that was good to see. That was very impressive. The defense is why. I mean, I love Teddy Bridgewater. Wish he was the quarterback today. Uh, the defense is why they went, what was it, 8-1 and one without Drew Brees the last two years. They won those games because of, of defense. And um, they're still there. They're still there, for sure. Guys kept the pressure and dialed up along that defensive line. That's got to help the hole at second cornerback position. Toward to immediate stuff is intermediate stuff is a feather in Peyton's cap. JP says, "I believe the vertical aspect is on its way back." You saw some of that too. You saw some of that too, in part because you finally have a quarterback that can do it. Now, again, Taysom Hill looked improved. He had a couple of nice, uh, long-ish passes to Marquez Callaway in that opening drive, and then after that, it. He just doesn't have it. He just doesn't have it. Not at all. Uh, speaking of somebody that does have it, Dak Prescott going to be back. Sounds like that second MRI uh, apparently looked good. All reports say that they're uh, they like what they saw, and he's going to return to practice in at least some kind of a limited capacity, which is really encouraging for Cowboys fans with a few weeks away from the season. Now, I don't think they're completely out of the woods yet. If you're still very limited and in. The MRI looks encouraging, means he's not 100% yet, and I just I wonder uh, how long this is going to linger. But that's really good uh, to hear for, uh, for Dak Prescott and uh, a really important year for the Cowboys. They need to win, and they need to win right now, and he needs to earn that contract right now. And he's got the best collection of weapons he's probably had since he's been the quarterback there. But this still makes me wonder what the hell the social media people were thinking when they did that. All they had to say Again, all they had to say, and nobody would have freaked out, was uh, Dak Prescott getting second MRI to evaluate progress in injury recovery. That's all they had to say. And um, nope. Nope, they didn't. Everybody lost their minds, and it turns out he's doing okay. So that's something to keep an eye on. It, it, it just, it, it's odd. You know, shoulder injury, a throwing shoulder injury. For a quarterback, multiple MRIs, uh, really limited in working his way back. Uh, you just you hope they're doing it the right way because week fourteen is more important than week one, you know. So, someone to watch to make the team is Christian Ringo. Played for the Raging Cajuns in college and Forest Hill High School in Jackson. Was a practice squad guy last year. I'll be on the lookout. Uh, they're starting to make cuts, um, which is always you know, unfortunate, but that's, uh, that's beginning to happen. And, uh, speaking of cuts and people that need to get cut, I have been labeled in my life, a Tim Tebow hater by listeners of the radio show. Uh, and it mostly stems from when he was doing the minor league thing 
and uh, hitting 220 and getting called up after hitting 220, all I said was, it's a sideshow. It's not a realistic thing. He's 30 years old. No 30-year-old prospect in baseball would get called up after hitting 220 and playing bad left field. Nobody. But it's his name, and it's a charade. It's a publicity stunt. That's all it was. Did not one time mention his character or what I think about it. Sometimes you get cult heroes like Tim Tebow, where where Lonzo Ball is another one. He's a cult hero. If you criticize Lonzo Ball online, people just just attack you. It's crazy. Um, They think that John Rice Plumley here locally has some of that uh, to him as well, where if you talk about their sports ability or lack thereof, people think that it's a, a... personal attack on the person's character. Well, how can you say that about such a good person? Well, I'm not talking about their their character. I'm talking about their ability to play the game. You know, that's at the end of the day my job. You know, if you don't like me or the content that I put out, I understand. You know, I, I don't particularly think I'm very good at this. But if you don't like it, that's fine. But if you say, you know, if you Say that, I don't take it personally. Like, you don't like my character. You just don't like the content I put out there. It can become personal. Uh, absolutely. It happens all the time. Uh, I, I get some of it. Some feedback I get is is very personal. Instead of just, hey, I don't like this or your style or your opinion on this, it's, hey, asshole, you suck. Like, well, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. Same thing applies here with Tim Tebow. I actually, I have talked with somebody who is quite familiar with him personally, and they had nothing but glowing things to say about him. Apparently, he's just a a wonderful, wonderful person behind the scenes. You know, there are some athletes where, you know, they, they put off a good front, and then behind the scenes, they're terrible. Apparently, he's not the case. He is all real, and that's awesome. Talking about him in the minor leagues, hitting 220, and getting called up and calling that a publicity stunt is not a personal attack. It's just the truth. And I especially uh, went in kind of hard on that because I had a friend, my best friend, uh, was trying to make it in the minors. He was a fifth-round pick. He was hitting 260, 275, and couldn't get the call up. But different organization. But you see a guy like Tebow who can't hit and doesn't play good in the field, and he's in his 30s, and he's still getting all these chances in baseball because of his last name. It was a a publicity stunt. That's the truth. It was a publicity stunt. He had no business being on the field in baseball. None. It was impressive that not playing since high school, he was able to actually hit 220. I sure as hell couldn't do that. But that was a roster spot being taken from somebody that actually deserved it. And I didn't like that. So I was labeled a hater. Not a hater. I think he's a wonderful person. And um, I'm excited for the the chance that he gets back on the game day set. Because I think think his energy is infectious and it's intense and I like it. I, I wish more people would bring to the table when it comes to talking about football and analyzing football that he does. I love that passion and that intense energy that he's got. It's a little over the top, but man, it's football. It's fun. It's it's supposed to be like that. So I like him. He doesn't belong on the football field. Not at tight end. And here's two reasons why. 
So this is a clip. I'll show you two of them. One went viral, and it wasn't near as bad as the one that didn't. Uh, this was him playing tight end, and this clip, again, this uh, this went viral, and everybody was kind of making fun of it, and it brought out both uh, of brought out both sides, the extremes on either one. And here, here was that video. And for those of you listening in podcast form, I'm sure you've seen it by now. So here's the video I'm talking about. This went viral. This is Tim Tebow right here in the middle of your screen, trying to lay a block as a tight end in the NFL. Yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll show it to you again, just just for the sake of it. And, of course, people started making fun of this, because of course they did, for a handful of reasons. One, because it's Tim Tebow, and he is a polarizing character that draws opinions from both sides, extreme ones on, on either side. Uh, but when you are in your 30s, and you haven't played football in a decade plus, and your last position was quarterback, and they give you a roster spot because you and the coach are buddies, and they put you at tight end, a position you've never played, and you do stuff like this, you're going to get criticized. It's just going to happen. When you're in a position like his, when you're as famous as him, you're going to get criticized regardless, but especially if going into it, everybody knows that you're only getting a roster spot because your coach is your buddy and not because you actually you know, belong on the field there. And then you got the other side. People, oh, he did his job. What else is he supposed to do? He did his job. That's a good block. There is nothing good about this. Not one thing about this is good. It is goofy and bad. I mean, his head is down. And then he spears his own player right there. He can't see what he's blocking. It's a complete whiff. It's clearly someone that has never done it before. And that's what you should expect. He's never done it before. But, yeah, he did his job. Actually, he did not do his job. 59 has a bad run fit here. I could have made this block if that's really the the metrics we're going to use. Is Oh, well, the guy he was blocking didn't make the play. Now, the guy he was blocking ran himself out of the play. It's a terrible run fit here. Terrible. All of that is goofy and bad. You don't have to defend this. It's not good. It's it's really bad, honestly. And it's not an attack on the character or anything like that. It's just goofy and bad. But that's not the worst thing. This was the worst one. And this was the very next play, as it turns out. The very next play in the game. Last night, or this weekend. Here we go. There he is, 85, right there. Same player, 59. Got his revenge. Right here. And this this tells me two things, by the way. Because it's not like Tebow's a bad athlete. It's not like he's a small guy. You know, he's a big guy in really good shape. He gets tossed like a rag doll. Look at this. I mean, just thrown aside like I would get thrown aside if I were up there. Just a rag doll. Um, this is what I tried to say when this happened. 
that stuff like this is going to happen. When you've never played the position before, there are so many people for some reason that think that you can just take, oh, well, that guy's kind of big. He can play tight end in the NFL. It's completely selling short the incredible skill set that is required to play tight end in the NFL. You have to run routes. You have to catch the football. You have to take hits, and you have to block. Tight ends have to do more than any other position on the field. They have to do it all. And so it's not just, oh, well, that this guy's kind of big. Just throw him at tight end and it'll work. This is what happens when you do that. Just tossed aside like a rag doll. It's almost as if players in the NFL are really good at what they do. And they've been doing it for a long time. And you can't just slap a guy out there and make it work. This, again, this guy, because of who he is, draws so much unwarranted, at times, criticism and unwarranted praise. Can be an incredible guy. There's a lot of really good people out there. They don't all belong on a football field. And this is what I said was going to happen. Because you can't just slap a guy that hasn't played football in a decade at a position he's never played before that requires elite level athleticism and physicality and expect it to work that that right there is what you're going to get from somebody that's never done it before and nobody else which is where the criticism comes from and and where I where I come from this nobody else would have gotten that opportunity there's not a single person in their 30s that has never played tight end before and hasn't played football in a decade that would have gotten that opportunity not a single one. It's nepotism. So just call it what it is. You can also say, great guy, love him, incredible dude, role model, and also shouldn't be there. Only got that position because of nepotism. And if he makes the roster, then it's a, it's a joke, honestly. It's a joke. It's a clown show if that makes the roster. There is somebody out there that played tight end in college that is more physically equipped to play the position and knows what they're doing that could have gotten that roster spot, improved themselves in camp, and made a career. See, not everybody has other stuff to fall back on. Some guys, they only have football. And there's a tight end out there somewhere that didn't get a shot this year because that got a shot. Didn't belong. It didn't belong, and and that's what you get. So, shucked like an oyster on that second play. Yeah, it's blatant. He didn't know what he was doing there. Careful bringing up this on the radio today. Oh, yeah, because, oh, oh yeah. I, I know what will happen if I bring this up on the radio. It will be defended to the death. We need to separate criticism from personal. It, it's It's something that, I don't mean to get preachy here, but it's something that we have a problem with societally. That you are either all in or you are a hater and you are out. You know what I mean? It's that way in politics and in everything. Like, we cannot criticize our own anymore. You're seeing it right now. Although this, what's going on right now seems to be universally hated. Um, but but we can't criticize our own. Because if if we do, you're a, a, an, an anti-whatever or you're not a true Republican. You're not a true Democrat because you dared held our leaders accountable. It's crazy. 
And, and it, it's an issue societally. Like you, you can't criticize Tebow without being a hater. I don't hate the guy. I love the guy. I think he's a great role model. I respect the heck out of him. And I couldn't at all even do that on an NFL field. And I couldn't do what he did in the minors. But there are other people that could have done it better that were robbed of an opportunity. You can call something what it is and not hate it. You can, and we get this from listeners sometimes. You know, if I criticize Ole Miss, why are you a hater? You're you're just trying to be different. No, I'm telling you the truth. You you can criticize something that you you love and respect. How dare you? You criticize Mike Leach and Mississippi State. You guys are just haters. You're supposed to be all on the same team. No, you're not. I, I don't get it. If you're not trying to get better, or, or if you're not calling something out, then you're not trying to make it better. Well, anyway, it's a, a thing that rubs me the wrong way. Could he have been brought in to take the publicity pressure off of Lawrence? Uh, I've heard that. Uh, people mentioned that before. The thing is, though, I mean, how much more publicity and pressure is on Trevor Lawrence's shoulders anyway, you know? I mean, it's not like Jacksonville's New York. It's a, a very easy market to exist in. Uh, it's kind of an afterthought in terms of the NFL. You know, he was going to kind of be able to, to hide away down there. Looked really good in the preseason game, by the way. So did Justin Fields. Oh, man, people are – Justin Fields is going to be the next Patrick Mahomes as far as – I can't believe my team passed on him <laughs> very clearly. I mean, the guy was an absolute star, has every skill set you could imagine, and looked really good in his first preseason game. That's all it was, but people are going to regret passing on him. And I, I was thinking that before the preseason game. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, how much pressure was he actually going to be under? Nobody expects Jacksonville to be good. It's not like a high-pressure media market. It's not a high-pressure fan base. You know, they're just happy that they have competence in, at the quarterback position. You know, there, there really wasn't a whole lot of pressure on him anyway. So I, I'm not quite sure uh, if that's the case. I think it, it feels mostly like it was Urban Meyer throwing a bone to a guy that he loves. Um. I think it's really that simple. And if he makes that team, then nepotism is running rampant in an NFL locker room, which it should not. And you know how that's going to end. Those people have insert team color shades on, Bork. You can't win. What should be concerning is the number of people you hear from with opinions like that. They can view things objectively, and for and for society as a whole, that is a bad, bad thing. They can't view things objectively, I think is what autocorrect or something got you there but yeah it's that's what it is i mean there are there are fans out there a lot of them by the thousands that think that people in my business should exclusively talk positively about the team i mean after mississippi state lost to kentucky i had somebody send me an email why can't you find the positives in the game because there weren't any you got beat 21 to 2 by Kentucky. You you want me to find the positive in that? No. I can't do that. It's <laughs> not what I'm supposed to do. Um, and it's it's that way in politics with if you dare the last 4 years if you dared 
criticized Donald Trump. You were a never Trumper, not a true conservative. And now if you dare criticize Joe, it's you're you're just a you know, you know how this goes. And that's how it is. Um, it's a shame, really. If you're not holding your own accountable, then how the hell can you expect the others to do that to themselves? They made it off the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, that's what they wanted is is to find the positives, I guess. And uh, well, I think it was twenty-one to two, right? Wasn't that the final score? Yeah, guy was not happy that that we were critical <laughs> of that game. Oh man, that's uh, that's how it goes. But yeah, that's a, a larger problem. Is we're, we are just unable to criticize anymore. I re- I mean, I respect the hell out of. Most things about the the teams that I get to cover on a daily basis, but not everything. They're, they're not perfect, um, and without people holding our leaders, whether it be politically uh, or, or business or education in sports, if they're not being held to a higher standard, then why do we expect them to perform at a high standard? Same thing in life, like you know. Now, I've, my son's not even two yet, so of course, you know, I, I I can't hold him accountable for mistakes yet, but I love him more than anything else in this world. And so when he screws up, I, I'm going to tell him. When he's acting wrong, he's going to know about it because I love him. If I just told him everything he did was great all the time, he's going to end up being terrible and not a good person and not successful. So anyway. I'm getting off into the weeds now, guys. I, I was supposed to be talking about sports, and now I'm getting into political stuff. And that ah, just, uh, I shouldn't be doing that. But it is okay to criticize and still be on the side of something you're critical of. So there's your lesson for the day. One that you guys did not ask for. <laughs> uh, inside of two weeks until the start of college football season, guys. Getting there. Getting there. Uh, Trey Murphy, by the way, uh, go ahead and put in your futures for Rookie of the Year. That kid is a stud. Uh, Anyway, great to be with you guys. Thank you for uh, sitting with me while I go off on a tangent. I appreciate you. I appreciate you very much. Um, This is a lot of fun. I cannot wait to get started on the game day streams here. Uh, I think this is going to take everything just to the next level. So uh, just like itching, just waiting. Uh, to get that started so i appreciate you guys and uh, subscribe to the youtube channel and i'll talk to you again uh on the radio this afternoon or tomorrow right here at uh, at eight o'clock see y'all then Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.